everyone, and welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Joe Lowry, and on this episode, we're asking and hopefully answering the question, why isn't the U.S. Open Cup a big deal? Back in 2017, Christos FC was on quite the tear. They'd beaten Fredericksburg 3-0 on May 10th. One week later, they took down the Richmond Kickers by a score of 1-0. And two weeks later, they bested Chicago FC United 1-0. Before you ask, yes, Chicago FC United is a real name of a real soccer team. Those three Christos wins were in the first three rounds of the U.S. Open Cup. Or, if you want to go for its full-length proper title, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Founded in 1914, the U.S. Open Cup is the oldest cup competition in the United States. It puts professional and amateur teams together into a knockout tournament that runs during the United States' domestic professional league seasons. If the idea of a league season and a separate tournament happening at more or less the same time sounds strange to you, or if you're looking to learn more about soccer's tendency to smush a bunch of competitions into one season— Taylor's recent Soccer 101 episode titled, How Many Leagues Are In This Season? is the place to go. To really boil it down, there are two fundamental things to know about the Open Cup. It's old, and it allows teams from all levels and parts of American soccer to compete for a U.S. soccer-sanctioned trophy. It's essentially the American version of England's FA Cup or of Spain's Copa del Rey. With a brief U.S. Open Cup explainer out of the way, let's get back to the story of Christos FC. A three-game winning streak in a knockout competition is a relatively impressive feat on its own. But when you're a Baltimore-based amateur team made up of players with other jobs who don't train during the week and don't game plan for upcoming opponents, it's a really, really impressive feat. Founded in 1997 and headquartered at a liquor store, Christos FC's wins in the first three rounds of the oldest cup competition in the United States captured real, genuine attention from people in the American sports space. It sounds like the beginning of a 30 for 30. What if I told you a soccer team sponsored by a liquor store that didn't practice or scout their opponents had the chance to beat a team that won a title? Christos FC, that's for Christos Discount Liquors in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Their victories over Fredericksburg, the Richmond Kickers, and Real Chicago FC United put Christos through to the fourth round of the 2017 U.S. Open Cup, where they would take on a fellow Maryland area club, Major League Soccer's D.C. United. The difference in roster quality was stark. Christos FC had a handful of former professional and collegiate players on their roster, but DC United had real, current, practicing professional soccer players on their side. And yet, midway through the first half of their matchup, the differences between the professional level and the amateur level blurred, if only for a moment. In the 23rd minute of action at the Maryland Soccerplex, Christos central midfielder Mamadou Kanze stepped up to take a free kick from just outside the box. He connected with the ball with his left foot, got it up and over DC United's wall, and into the back of the net. Kanse, who would look to hit it left-footed here. And it is Kanse. Shot! Score! Christos FC on the wall. And a celebration is on toward the corner with their fans who have invaded the hillside. 
Even though DC United scored four unanswered goals and ended up winning the game 4-1, to one, Christos FC made headlines with their play in the tournament. They'd beaten a professional soccer team in the Richmond Kickers and taken the lead over one of the storied teams in MLS. And Christos FC isn't the only team to make an exciting, unexpected run in the U.S. Open Cup. In 2008, the USL's Charleston Battery made a run all the way to the final, taking down two MLS teams in the process. In 2017, then-USL club FC Cincinnati made a deep run of their own, beating their in-state rivals the Columbus Crew, topping the Chicago Fire in an emotional penalty kick shootout, and besting the Miami FC before bowing out to the New York Red Bulls in the semifinals. Maybe the most famous Open Cup run belongs to the Rochester Raging Rhinos, who, in addition to having the second greatest name in the history of soccer teams just behind the Florida Soccer Soldiers, won the whole tournament in 1999. This is Sedgwick for Rochester. But chipping away here in Colorado, in a way that could be troublesome for the Rapids. And there's Doug Miller. Will he be deadly here? Oh, yes! Deadly Doug lives up to his name. Then a part of the A-League, Rochester was a good professional team that consistently competed for championships in their domestic league around the turn of the millennium. But beating four MLS clubs in succession and winning the U.S. Open Cup in 1999 was a historic accomplishment. In fact, to this day, they are still the only non-MLS team to win the Open Cup since MLS began competing in the tournament in 1996. They don't happen all the time, but with Christos FC and at least a handful of others, there have been noteworthy upsets, fairy tale runs, and memorable moments in the U.S. Open Cup's 100-plus year history. And yet, the tournament has never been able to capitalize on those March Madness-esque things to catapult itself into mainstream relevance, or even into mainstream American soccer relevance. The question is why? Why don't people talk about the U.S. Open Cup? After doing some digging and a bit of thinking, I've come up with a number of reasons. For your listening convenience, and because I like organization, I've divided those reasons into three categories. Situational reasons, motivational reasons, and structural reasons. So, with those three categories as our guide, let's figure out, or at least get closer to figuring out, why the Open Cup isn't a big deal. But first, today's episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Did you know that you can use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries? ExpressVPN unblocks content for you. They let you change your online location so you can control where you want sites to think you're located. All you have to do is open the app, select a location, tap one button to connect, and refresh the page to access thousands of new shows and movies. I mean, you can choose from almost 100 different countries. You can supercharge your Netflix subscription with way more content, like The Dark Knight and Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Canada Netflix. I mean, that's something I've done. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You can also check in on Rick and Morty on France Netflix or The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Australia Netflix. This works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube. If you're outside of the U.S., you can access the free streaming service Peacock. All you have to do is just change your location to the U.S. Why choose ExpressVPN over other VPNs? Well, it's simple. You can stream in HD no problem. No buffering, no lag. 
It's compatible with all of your devices, phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. Not only does it let you change your location, it also encrypts your data and lets you surf the web safely and anonymously. Go to expressvpn.com soccer to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's right. That's expressvpn.com soccer for an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of Soccer 101. Now, let's get into some of the problems that contribute to the U.S. Open Cup's lack of recognition. The first category of issues facing the Open Cup is the situational category. By situational, I mean the current situation that American soccer finds itself in within the context of sports in the United States. In case you hadn't heard, soccer is still very much trying to find its way in the U.S. This isn't an American soccer pity party, but it is highly probable, bordering on almost certain, that you've heard national sports broadcasters bashing American soccer, or you've had friends roast you for following an MLS or USL team, or you've gone back and forth with European football purists on Twitter a few too many times over the years. But if we're honest with ourselves, those broadcasters, friends, and European fans all have a point. Outside of the United States women's national team, whose back must be tired from carrying American soccer for so long, soccer hasn't made it in the U.S. The United States men's national team is trying to figure itself out. MLS is too complicated, the quality of USL is hit and miss, and though it's growing, the NWSL is small. If the men's national team and the primary domestic professional leagues are still sorting themselves out, expecting a cup competition to rise to prominence is probably asking a bit too much. Specifically zooming in on MLS and USL for a second, because those leagues are very much still developing and aren't close to the level of, say, the English Premier League and the English Championship, Having to play the extra fixtures that come with a mid-season cup competition can be a real challenge for teams with shallow rosters. In the FA Cup, for example, you see heavy lineup rotation from the top teams. But the quality of those top teams' rotated rosters is typically still pretty high. Many teams across MLS and USL simply don't have the roster-wide quality to play good soccer in a midweek cup game. That reality is slowly changing, but it hasn't changed yet. Another situational factor behind the U.S. Open Cup's lack of widespread relevance is a straightforward one. The idea of a cup competition is foreign to the American sports fan. I talked a little bit about it in the intro. The whole tournament thing is easy to grasp. I mean, we do those all the time. But having a tournament run during the regular season? That's way more uncommon. As soccer continues to elevate itself within the American sports landscape, the U.S. Open Cup will rise right along with it. And as that happens, the idea of a tournament that goes right along with the regular season will become at least slightly more normal. Up next in our What's Wrong with the U.S. Open Cup list is the motivational category. Right now, there's a pretty tame reward for making a deep run in the U.S. Open Cup. The champion gets $300,000 in prize money and a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League. As a quick aside, I love the CONCACAF Champions League as much as the next guy, but is playing a game on the road in El Salvador in February actually a reward? I'm not so sure. Anyway, after the winner grabs 300k in a Champions League spot, the Open Cup runner-up gets $100,000. 
Then the clubs that advance the furthest from each of U.S. soccer's lower divisions get $25,000 apiece. In one sense, those are all large sums of money. I take any of those prizes in my bank account right now. But in another, much realer sense, those numbers aren't particularly large. The New England Revolution would barely be able to pay half of Diego Fagundes' 2019 salary with $100,000. And $300,000 wouldn't have even covered Miguel Ibarra's 2019 salary for Minnesota United. Then, if you think about splitting those monetary prizes up across a bunch of players and some staff members, you're really not dealing with a lot of dough. Money talks. And in the U.S. Open Cup's case, it's probably not talking loud enough. At the end of the day, soccer is a business. Sure, there's something to be said for the whole play-for-the-love-of-the-game thing, but that only gets you so far. If you want players to go out there and do their absolute best to win games and create a consumable on-field product, a bigger pot of cash shining like a light at the end of the tunnel or distributed as a bonus after each victory would go a long way. I know this motivational problem isn't easy to solve. Money doesn't just appear out of thin air, although that would be quite nice. Maybe look around you and make sure there's no floating money just to be safe. At the moment, U.S. soccer budgets the Open Cup to break even, which means that it will take some outside help from a corporate sponsor to provide a necessary influx of cash. U.S. soccer is reportedly looking for a handy-dandy corporate sponsor, but much like money, sponsorships don't just appear out of thin air. Our third and final category of issues is the structural category, i.e. how the actual U.S. Open Cup competition is structured. Yes, we walked through some of its past Cinderella's at the beginning of this episode, but for the most part, the U.S. Open Cup is pretty predictable. There's some chaos in the first round as non-professional clubs take each other on. In the next round, professional USL clubs enter the fray and win most of their games, while still allowing a handful of non-professional teams to advance to the next round. Then in the fourth round, MLS teams hop in and largely knock everybody else out between that fourth round and the remaining few stages of the tournament. By and large, MLS teams enter the tournament late, play at home, and win their games. I said it earlier, but it bears repeating. The Rochester Raging Rhinos are the only non-MLS team to win the U.S. Open Cup since MLS teams started competing in 1996. By adding MLS professional teams into the competition after it's already gone on for several rounds, it feels like the U.S. Open Cup is denying itself more of those precious Christos FC moments. It's denying itself more upset opportunities. If MLS teams entered in round two or round three and faced off against amateur teams, would a bunch of those lower-level teams advance? No. But would there be at least a few more upsets in there? Almost certainly. In addition to the general lack of big-time upset opportunities, the U.S. Open Cup is also a highly regionalized tournament. The first several rounds are structured so that there's as little travel as possible, which then limits expenses. Opening up the draw would cost money and could make competing in the Open Cup downright impossible for a number of the amateur and smaller professional teams. But just imagine for a moment how incredible it would have been to see Zlatan Ibrahimovic taking on West Chester United SC in southwest Pennsylvania. I mean, we would have seen at least 16 scorpion kick attempts in a 15-minute appearance off the bench. Again, there are monetary issues when you open up the tournament a little bit and have teams doing more traveling. But hey, maybe that corporate sponsor has some deep pockets. 
it's strange because with as insanely awful as the coronavirus pandemic has been, it has presented the U.S. Open Cup with an opportunity to review some of the situational, motivational, and structural issues that it's currently facing. Though COVID-19 forced the U.S. Soccer's Open Cup committee to cancel the tournament in 2020, ending its 106-consecutive-year run, that forced break allows time for evaluation. What things are working? What things aren't working? This downtime could ultimately improve future versions of the tournament. Still, from where we sit right now, between soccer standing in the general American sporting landscape, the foreign nature of a cup competition, a lack of suitable investment, and some structural obstacles, the U.S. Open Cup has a ways to go before it will officially achieve big deal status. That wraps up this episode of Soccer 101. We went over what the U.S. Open Cup is and talked about some of the most historic moments in an already historic competition. But mostly, we got to the bottom, or nearly to the bottom, of why the Open Cup isn't a huge deal. I've been Joe Lowry. Thanks for listening, everyone.